Hi, my name's Lawrence Howard. And I'm Lynn Duddy. <laughs> and together, we've, we've been, been married, married for 33 and a third years. Wow. Yeah. And we met in 1980 at a communal household called McDaniel Farm. I'm going to sit. Okay. Yeah, good too. old McDaniel Farm. It was a, it was a commune. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember those, but... <laughs> right? Yes, and uh, I was over there interviewing because I wanted to move into this commune with uh, my roommate from this other house and my little baby. I was moving out. There were actually five of us that lived at McDaniel, and four of us really were not too keen on the fifth. So, so four of us moved out and left the fifth guy there, he was the leaseholder, and so he put an ad in the Willamette Week to try and get some new housemates, and Lynn answered that ad. Right, that's how it was done then, you know. That's the right, newspaper. there was no right. internet, no, no Craigslist. Right, yeah. right. And so I came over to interview and check McDaniel Farm out. And I happened to see Lawrence, and he was... And I happened to see Lynn. Right, and he was what I would call a super hippie. <laughs> you know, he had the um, boots, the hiking boots, and the overalls, and the little red scarf. <laughs> you know, the bandana. The, you know. Yes. And I had just come from work. Lynn had just come from work at the, you know, corporate day job downtown. She was actually a wild woman, but, you know, by day she put on this disguise. Suit, and you know, and the So she was wearing the suit and the pantyhose and the heels and the makeup and the whole thing. And, you know, I got to tell you people that living, living the hippie lifestyle there in the commune, all the girls that I knew, you know, like wore the long denim skirts and the army boots and had hairy legs. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, I'm not making a judgment, you know. No but but I, I thought Lynn looked pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, I moved in. And, and I moved out. Right. And a little while later, uh, me and my new roommates had this crazy wild winter solstice party. Right. Uh, it was secretly the harvest party of. Um, yeah, that kind that, of harvest, That are still yes. illegal. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a great party, and uh, we had a lot of mistletoe. Yes, it was kind of like, you know, mistletoe ambush, right? There was, there was so much mistletoe in the main room that, that there was really no place in the room where you could stand where you no. weren't yeah. under the mistletoe. And I saw him you know? standing there under the mistletoe, and... Um, what I like about you, which had just recently come out. You know that song? Yeah. That's what I like about you. Oh, 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 you make me feel all right. Yeah, so I danced right. over to that because I saw Lawrence there under the mistletoe and I saw my chance. So we got together under the mistletoe and we kissed and it was this amazing kiss. It was like in the movies, right? Yeah. I mean, the fireworks, fireworks. exploded. <laughs> In slow yeah. motion, and then my knees started Whoa. shaking, and the earth moved, and... I don't know, it was like being on acid. You know? was... <laughs> wow. And then and we know, ended, you 
when the kiss ended, we stepped back and looked at each other, and we were both surprised. Shocked, I mean, you know, I mean, we were attracted, but you we know, we had seen wow. each other, but we had no idea that it was going to be like that. And not only were we staring at each other, but the whole room was staring at us, right, including, including my girlfriend. <laughs> So we were married exactly one year from the anniversary of that kiss under the mistletoe. On the, on we got married solstice. on the winter solstice the following year. That's right. And um, you know, in the fairy tales, it, 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 there's always the story about how the oh, course Prince of Charlie. true love never runs true and never runs smooth, and, and finally they overcome the obstacles and they get married and they live happily ever after. Well, let me tell you, people, that's bullshit. <laughs> total, total. That's right. Yes. Because when the people get married, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning that, of the story. That's when it all starts. That's right. Right. So we started out, and you know, a lot of couples, when they get together, they don't have kids, so they go on fantastic backpacking trips across Europe and, you know, have all sorts of great adventures. But right, and they, they have a couple of years together as didn't. adults. Because we as always had kids, because I came, I was the package deal. You know, right. I, had, I had the little guy right. who was just really someone very special to me because <clears throat> I'd been adopted and my son was the first person that I'd ever been related to. So we had this, and continue to have this very special connection. And then Lawrence and I, we made one together. Right. Uh, and but I just want to say that, you know, Lynn having a child already was very appealing to me. Right. Because this was like the package deal. And, and I had really been wanting to have a family and to be a father for several years. I had been longing for that. And so right. when I met Lynn, you know, it was like... Not common though when you're a single wow. parent to build and you in have family. a kid or kids it's almost impossible to find someone who's interested in in you and likes your kid right okay i mean that's just like the, i was just having heart so when i yes. met lawrence was, oh, wow. right <laughs> but i gotta tell you folks that when i first met little scott he was just the cutest little guy and and he couldn't say my name lawrence is kind of a hard name to say and so he called me Rorgens. <laughs> and that was so damn cute that, that, you know, even though he's 35 now, I sometimes still wish that he would call me Rorgens. Yeah, but he calls him Datterino, which is pretty cute. Datterino is pretty Dad cool, Dad right? Yeah. Right, right. Anyway, we did make one together. Yes. Raymond. And that was fun. <laughs> So, you know, the promo said that we were going to reveal some secrets to you tonight, and, you know, we'll see if that's true or no, not. we will. But no. I do want to tell you all, you know, a little pearl of wisdom here, and that is that making the children together is a lot more fun than actually having them. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. We're not going to talk a lot about the kids, that's about it, because that's another show called Parenthood. Parenthood. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. Right. Right. So the thing when you get married, you know, you don't just marry your partner, 
you marry their whole family. You know, their mother and father and brothers and sisters and well, yeah, their mother becomes your mother-in-law and, and their brothers, that, and then you have stuff. to go to their house for Thanksgiving, right? right? <laughs> I mean, right. wow. Yeah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. And some families are really. Um, I think most families are really exclusive. You know, they. Or just a, a family little, is a very exclusive and self-defined group, right? Like we are family, and then there's and everybody else, right? right? The whole rest of the world. Right. So it's it's hard for families to be inclusive and to accept new members right. and to to get that. his his family. Uh, well, when I met his father, his mother and father, <clears> they <throat> met us uh, met me at the she wedding. She met them at the airport, right? right? They flew out for the wedding. Right. right. They were actually on the phone and they were like, well, maybe we'll come out and visit you around Christmas time. And, and Lynn said, oh, great. We'll, we'll have the wedding while you're here. We'll just get married while you're yeah. here. Because they were not too thrilled with me and the package deal. You know, I've got the kid. I am not Jewish. And I live... In, in Oregon, right. you know, it's very far away from New York. Right, and my parents knew that if I got married out here in Oregon, I, I was probably not ever going to move back to New York. That was that was the end of that fantasy. When Lawrence's dad walked off the airplane, though, that's when you could go out to the gate. Mm. You know, remember that? You know, watch the people get off the plane. Yes, there they were. the TSA, right? And uh, his father was there, and I thought to myself, oh my God. This is Lawrence in 30 years. Right. And I was instantly in love. <laughs> and, and this is Lawrence in 33 and a third year. Very, very close, very yeah. similar. But Lawrence's mother wasn't as... Um, Welcoming, embracing. Yeah, what's the word? I warm know? and fuzzy. I don't know. I don't it, know. It just took a while. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Lynn really loved my dad, and my dad really loved her, and I don't know, maybe my dad liked her a little bit more than my mom felt comfortable about her. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to go into that. No. But um, Lynn's family was very welcoming oh, yeah. to me, very embracing. They they were they were happy about me. My mother actually loved Lawrence more than she loved me. <gasps> this is true. You know, it's, you know, you know I, I can understand. Tommy Smothers thing going on here, yeah, right? Mom right. always liked you best. That's right. Right, okay. right. No, my family loved Lawrence, and he was just a really kind and wonderful person, and. You know, he called my mom, mom, and my dad. Yeah, mom, I think it was mostly just sort of in comparison to the last boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Were like, wow, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's so much better, right? Yeah. right. Yeah, there we was like a lot him. of that going We on. like him. That's, that's correct. That's correct. Right, right, right. Anyway, we grew up in really different households. You we know. we all we came from totally different words worlds from 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 different cultures you might say exactly so in my family growing up our idea of culture was that you know my dad and I would get dressed up and we would put on our suits and I would put on my little tie and we would take the train take the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan and we would go to Carnegie Hall and we would see Gilbert and Sullivan operettas, you know, like the Pirates of Penzance or HMS Pinafore. It was was an extraordinary. At my house, we watched television. 
you know, we had a special TV room, and in the TV room we had TV trays, and on the TV trays we had TV dinners. <laughs> you know those dinners with the little Salisbury steaks and tater tots. Wish I had one right now. Right. And my father and I, we would watch the Friday night fights. Oh. That's right, with Howard Cosell announcing. I mean, I'll never forget. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I am the greatest Muhammad Ali. That's right. You know, and I'm there with my dad, and we're screaming at the television. No, give him a laugh, give him a laugh. Kill him, kill him. Right. Whereas, you know, my dad and I would be on the subway coming home from Carnegie Hall singing, so give three cheers and one cheer more for the world for totally different worlds. That's right, that's right. So, you know, I grew up in a Jewish household and, and um, what does that really mean? Well, I, mostly it means a lot of guilt and neurosis. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, and neurosis, too. And neurosis, that's right. That's right. And, um, you know, we were not really deeply religious Jews. We were secular Jews. We were cultural Jews. We loved some of the Jewish holidays and the customs and the foods. And my dad spoke... Yiddish in this very uh, accented and, and exaggerated accent. My mother, on the other hand, spoke Yiddish very, very badly. It was always a source of humor when my mom tried to speak Yiddish. And, and, and I remember there was this one, there's a Jewish holiday called uh, Shemini Azareth, I think, but when my mother would try to say that, it would come out sounding like Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> and, and it was just always... That's, a, that, that's right, many Horowitz. But um, we were the kind of Jews like who had a Christmas tree down oh, right. in the den, right? But we were sworn on pain of death that, that Uncle High, my great uncle, my mother's uncle Jaime, could not know about the Christmas tree or life, life as we knew it would come to an end. Well, it was not like that at all in my family. We were very Irish Catholic, and Catholicism was very serious in our household, and I went to Catholic school as a kid, and I went to church every day, every day, and uh, except Saturdays, and we always went to church as a family on Sunday, and there was all, uh, there were all these religious icons. My mother had the Lady of Guadalupe over the couch in the living room, and there was Our Lady of Perpetual Help and little altars and lots of crucifixes, and my father had almost become a priest. I mean before he met and married my mother. So this was some serious, serious business going on at my house. Right. And we no, were we were no reformed Jews, you know, right. there's three levels of Judaism and reformed Jews are like the least Jewish Jews. But <laughs> but Lynn and her family, they were Irish Catholics. Right. And Irish Catholics are the most Catholic Catholics. Well you know like in the, in the Jewish thing, there's the most serious Jews are called Hasids. You know, those guys with the little curls and the hats. You know, the black, right. the black Amish farmer hats. I contend right. that the Irish Catholics are the Hasids of the Catholics. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Maybe. Um, Could be. They don't yeah. wear the funny hats, yeah. though. So, so you, you can't recognize them. Instantly no, in it's way. not like that. Right, right. But, you know, my dad and I went camping and fishing together. My dad and I 
played um, canasta. <laughs> <laughs> My dad taught me how to play chess. My dad taught me how to play tiddlywinks. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Does everybody know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we just grew up in these totally, totally different environments, and we were about as as different as two people could be. I mean, opposites attract, and, and the kiss under the mistletoe certainly did prove that. But Lynn and I were just really fundamentally very, very different kinds of people in our basic personalities. Yes, Lawrence is a person who, I get a lot of ideas. And I'll come to him and I say, oh, I've got this great idea. <laughs> and don't say no until you hear the whole thing. N-O. <laughs> you know, Lynn is just fiery and creative, and she's a huge risk taker, and she's, she's passionate, and she's always got some crazy idea. Hey, let's become storytellers. Hey, let's start a theater. Hey, let's, you know. And I'm more, you know, she's, I'm the tortoise and she's the hare, right? She's like, hey, and I'm like, <laughs> Our friend Annie, she's a person that came out, was an artist in residence with us, and um, she gave us this note. Right, to save a little wear and tear on me, because I was saying no so frequently that we thought we would just automate the no function. You know, so. And it's a, it's a wonderful... Yes. Um, but I will tell you that there's one thing that we both always say yes to. Right. The secret to the happy marriage is, you know, you've heard when you're going to buy a house, there's three things to consider. Location, location, location. Well, the secret to a happy marriage is... Sex, sex, sex. sex. <laughs> right. Just remember those three things. <laughs> saved our marriage on a lot of occasions when we weren't really able to talk about stuff, a lot of nonverbal communication was <laughs> That's right, that's right. A lot, of, a lot of expression going on with our words there. But you know, when, uh, when the kids were young, it, it, was, it was sometimes easy. very difficult to find the privacy to have sex, 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 right? Well, when I mean, they were young. When they, they were really little, were you know, they would like take easy. a nap, right? Or go <laughs> right. on sleepover. They go to bed but early. but later, really. you know, like in the middle school and high school, high school kids never go to sleep. <laughs> they like out at three o'clock in the morning. But our kids, always. Did, they discovered swing dancing when they were in high school. and they Remember the their, swing dance craze of right. the 1990s? They wear their Right? Suits the and squirrel nut zippers. Ballroom and dance for three, four hours. Right. So every Sunday afternoon, we could count on having three or four hours to ourselves that we knew we would not be disturbed by the children coming right. home. Right. Then they'd come home and we'd say, hey, how was the dance? And they'd say, great. What did you guys do? <laughs> and I would say, oh, did the crossword. We did the crossword puzzle, that's right. So that is, you know, the great euphemism for sex in our household. <laughs> to this day, it's just like, hey baby, you want to do the crossword puzzle? <laughs> right. And we also got very creative 
when Lawrence would go off to work and the kids would go off to school and I had my office at home and work from home, Lawrence would come home for lunch. Hot Re lunch. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> I remember being in elementary school and the kids that lived so close to the school could walk home for lunch. I was so jealous, right? Because, you know, going home for lunch is a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> started doing this thing where I would go home for hot lunch and, and uh, um, my sister heard about that. Lynn oh, actually, well I told the story at one of our Valentine's Day shows, right. short story about it. And my sister hot saw lunch. it up on YouTube yeah, and <laughs> so she dubbed Lynn the, the lunch, lunch lady. lady. <laughs> and let me tell you folks, it is a marvelous, marvelous thing to be married to the lunch lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, things were going along pretty good. Yes. And then, um, you know, I would like to describe it as we hit the 17-year blip. blip. Right. Although at the time it seemed like a lot more than a blip. We actually yeah. sometimes called it the 17-year massacre. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and I think that um, we, well, we were people who were obsessed with our children, okay? We were, I mean, even everything we did was for the kids, where we lived, what kind of car we drove, yeah, the all our activities. There. Right. Yeah, everything was for and about the kids. And we didn't really see each other very much because we had the two. So I'm taking uh, Ray over to his trumpet lesson. And, and I'm taking Scott over to Kendo in Beaverton. Right, or I'm taking Scott over to the soccer game. And then I'm taking one of them over to their saxophone lesson. And they're just, they were very busy. They had a lot of stuff. Scott had a friend who we spent a lot of time with, who lived far away. And we were always driving, driving. to Andy's house. Right, and, and our kids didn't drive till they were like, 18, 19 years old, you know, and they right. rode their bikes and stuff. It was just, we were obsessed with the kids. Right. And so, so everything to the kids. One of us was always zigging while the other was zagging, and all of a sudden we came to a point where we realized that we, we just hadn't really seen each other. We weren't spending time together. We weren't doing stuff together as a couple. Well, actually, what happened was um, we were walking home from work. We used to both work downtown, and we got on this health kick craze. We were, you know. We were in our 40s and we, <laughs> you know, we got to lose some weight and get healthy and get a shape here. And yeah, so we were walking uh, back and forth and one day we're walking home and I had this job that was kind of a big deal for me. I was pretty consumed by it and it was not going so great at that job because it was all involved with the internet, and the internet economy was a collapsing, and my job was just going crazy, so I was talking about that a lot. And we're walking home, and I'm talking about that job, and talking, 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 and all of a sudden, Lawrence says, You know, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Now, I didn't know exactly what he meant by that. You know, my first thought was, oh God, I've been talking about the job too much and he just can't stand it anymore, okay? Then I thought, oh, well, maybe he doesn't really want to walk anymore. Maybe that's kind of getting to him, all this fucking exercise, you know? Then I thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe he means he doesn't want to be with me anymore. 
he can't do this anymore. And uh, that is kind of what I was talking about. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that over the last 10 years up to that point, we had, I had let a lot of little resentments build up, right? I came from a family where we just didn't do conflict. We didn't do confrontation. If something was bothering you, you just kept quiet about it. You just stuffed it. You know, you didn't, you didn't talk about that. But that stuff festers. You know, that stuff grows. You can't keep that down. And and we had come to the point. Okay, so at this point in time, the day we're walking over the bridge, the older son has already launched. The younger son is a senior in high school. He's going to be leaving the next year, and we're going to be alone together in the house for the first time in 17 years and it was kind of like who, who are, are you, you? and why, why did, did I, I marry you, you? <laughs> and who am I? who am I and what are my dreams and what am I doing what am I doing with my one wild and precious life and when is it my turn my to have turn. some fun my turn well I didn't grow up in one of those households where it was all quiet and calm and you didn't talk about your feelings I grew up in a household where you yelled and you fought. And if somebody yelled at you, you yelled louder. And when Lawrence said to me that he was tired of being with me, I was really angry because I had a few resentments too building up. I felt as though I had put my artistic dreams up here on the cupboard and shut the door. And I had gotten the corporate job, and I had bought the house, and we had the minivan. Shit, we were Cub Scout leaders for eight years. <laughs> I had done all that, and not to be a cliche, but this man had taken the best years of my life, and now he was tired of it. So I just basically told him, fine, you keep the house, you take the kids, Fuck this, I'm going to Mexico, you know? I'm done. I am out of here. Right, That's totally. Right. Yeah. I was just, I was so done. So we had a lot of talking and screaming. We talked and, and argued and fought and explained and cried and. It was a mess. And then finally, there it was the D word. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. -E. We had never spoken that word to never. each other in 17 years. Never. No matter how much we had fought, or that word was out there on the table. And let me tell you people that as soon as that, that concept was out there, as soon as that idea, that, that possibility was, was really a possibility, I thought to myself, is that really what I want? Do I really want to be divorced from Lawrence Howard? Do not I really want to anymore? be divorced from Lynn Duddy? No. No, not so much. No. So we decided, all right, if we're not going to get divorced, then God damn it, let's start having some fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's hear it for fun. Stuff together. We had right? no clue what that meant, really. You know, we just, we really didn't know. I mean, when uh, Lawrence had been uh, going through this thing with the kids when they were teenagers, we had made him a little man cave in the house. 
and kind of had a sacred space. So he had just kind of been up in this room. Just know, kind of hiding from the rest of the there, family. But, you know. <laughs> well, it was before the internet, so I was not, I was not surfing the porn. I was tying flies. I was tying flies. So we were really communicating, and um, you know, we didn't really spend much time together, and so now was a chance for us to do stuff together. So right. we, we walked in the cancer walk we together. Were, a few weeks later was the Susan G. Komen breast cancer walk that happens every September. While we were walking, we heard a number of bands, a lot of uh, music. You happens. know how they have bands along the route for the entertainment of the walkers, right? We heard this one band, what was their name? Yurimba. Right, Yurimba. And they were a marimba, marimba band. band. And I walked up to them and I said, hey, I love this music. I want to play this music. How can I do that? And Susan and Judy, uh, members in the band, told me all about it. And two weeks later, we, we were, were in, in our first marimba class. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then that band. I mean, and that, that was an amazing thing. You know, I had always thought that I was a person with no musical talent. I was... You know, like the in the third grade, I played the trumpet for a week, you know, and then the teacher said, no, this is not for you, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, and I had my mother's singing voice, which was sort of legendary, and, you know, oh, it was right up there with the way that she spoke Yiddish, you know. Kind of like, right. Yeah, but you overcame that. And, I did, And the I class did. became a group, and the group became a band, and we had a marimba band for, for ten, 10 years. years. And ten that years. was so much really fun. fun. And we played so many great gigs. We played marimba music right here at Hip On Studio. And, and we met so many people. And, and some of the people that were in that band with us are still very, very dear friends with us. And there are people from the marimba and Imbira community that are still very dear friends. But the band eventually broke up. 10 years was a pretty good long run. And now Lynn plays Imbira music, and the Imbira is yeah, every is morning the, we get together, and I make coffee, and I sit in the room, and Lawrence drinks his coffee, and I play him a little Imbira. And that's how I start sometimes my day. Sometimes Sometimes I sing, and sometimes not, but it just makes me so happy to hear Lynn play this wonderful, beautiful music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, also about that same time that we started with the music, we got involved with storytelling. Because I had finally lost that job, the, the internet had crashed, and my job had crashed, and everybody I knew was out of work, and I went off on an adventure to uh, discover my creative self, that, that self that I had put up in that cupboard and shut the door. So I went to this uh, storytelling festival, and was so moved by it that when I came back, I told Lawrence, I said, okay, I'm going to be a storyteller. And of course I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't actually say no. What I said was more along the lines of, what the fuck? <laughs> But I didn't, I didn't know what storytelling was, and I, I had that stupid stereotype like, what, you're going to read, you know, Cinderella to the kindergarten? <laughs> so, that's right, happily ever after. But Lynn uh, 
brought home from this festival some tapes and some CDs of professional storytellers, really wonderful storytellers, and I listened to them, and it just, I just caught fire. I was just like, wow, storytelling book, rocks, you know, yeah. man. Storytelling is awesome. So we started I said, telling, yeah. Can I, can I do this with you? Together. Can we do this together? Right, we did. And we did this thing, kind of like we're doing now, where we did tandem telling, because I'd seen some of this at a lot of these performances. At the festival, right. Right, so we started right. doing this at festivals and at libraries right. and schools. And but in the early days, together. you know, yeah. we didn't tell our, our personal no. stories. We, we told folk tales and myths and fables and literary works that we adapted for oral storytelling. And, and the tandem telling that we did was very scripted, very, very choreographed. Very orchestrated, right? you know, like we'd figure out what we're doing with our hands together. Right, right, and, and I would say a line, and then Lynn would say a line, and then we would say a line in unison, and then... And we're, we're going to do a little sample. Okay, right, you ready? Right, right. Okay. <clears throat> All right. You're going to do the hand thing and everything? You bet. Okay. Mr. Death come a riding in off the plains on his stale pallet. His stale pallet. Okay. His stale pallet. I like that. Mulligan. Mr. Death come a riding in off the plains on his pale stallion, a shooting off his pistols. Bang, bang, bang. Until you thought some lucrative cowboy was on a shooting spree. The, the one the, the girls was, was all crazy for. because it was so highly orchestrated and scripted, it had to be memorized. I right? want to say bangity bang bang. No, I want to say bangity bang. I want to be Mr. Death, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, just endless. So, we, uh, but you know, the makeup sex was good. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The pre-show fight. Yeah, the pre-show yeah, fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But so we, we, we were telling in our tandem style like that and having some success. We were telling at schools and libraries and, we and finally we, we got this gig. They, they hired us to come and tell at Folk Life. It was great. It was like and a big we were, deal. It was big, right? We were in a, a little auditorium that held like 300 people. It was the biggest audience we had ever told to. It was great. And it was like a scary story. Which Lawrence doesn't like. Well, it was cool. We, we had this really great story, story called The Shadowscape. What's with you? What the, Here, have a drink. Where's the, where's the what the fuck button? Right. The Shadow Cage. The Shadow Cage. The Shadow Cage scared the hell out of me. Yeah, right. he was very nervous about this. Right. But this was a very hard story for me because it was not chronological. It was not linear. I have this very orderly, chronological mind, like what happened, and then what happened, and what happened after that. And this was a story that bounced back and forth, like, you know, yeah, back and forth This story was perfect for me, because this is exactly how my brain works. So I had this story down cold. That's right. It's three hours before the show. We're over at... We're Charlie at our friend's house, house in Seattle. Oh, 
and, and we're practicing. Right, and right? he's freaking out. And I'm freaking out and mm -hmm. finally say, I can't do this. I'm going to embarrass myself in front of all these people. I can't learn this fucking story. And I'm like, don't worry about it, man. I know this story. And if you forget something or whatever, I'll just jump in. And as soon as I start saying the thing, you'll know exactly the part. And you and can just pick just, it up. Right? So we decided that we would just butt in on each other and... So that was the very first story that we told together in the Budinsky style <laughs> of tandem telling. And, uh, yes. and we went on to have some, some success with that. And in fact, we even wrote a chapter in a book about tandem telling about the Budinsky method. Yeah. Published authors. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's we, uh, also, <clears throat> our storytelling evolved, and we encouraged each other to work uh, individually in our artistry. And Lawrence eventually crafted the Shackleton story in 2008. Yeah. And we did a whole series of personal narratives, and then Urban Tellers was born, and it just took off from there. And it became Portland Story Theater, and we're just so, so happy to see all of you here in the audience right. tonight. And that's just become a huge, huge thing for us. But the crazy thing is that we went from being a couple that never did anything together right. to being this couple that now does everything, everything. <laughs> together. And we like it. You we know? do. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's like if he's going to Fred Meyer's, I'm like, oh, okay, can I go too? I mean, you know. Right, right, right. And you know, I do still have a day job that I work three days a week. And when I'm away at the day job, Lynn will call me. Over we'll call each other like yeah. five times, you know, like, Oh, hi, honey. I, I don't really have anything to say. I just miss you. How are you? I'm thinking of you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you miss me yet? Okay, so right. here's, yeah. the, here's the techniques that we're going to share with you. Right. We, 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 you know, it probably took us a good 10 years to really get over the 17-year blip to where that became funny. And we, right. could, we could really Talk about you know, it and laugh put that behind it. us. Yes. And, right. So we developed a few things that we do daily right. to help uh, really, we really uh, realized that we were not showing gratitude towards one another. We had taken each other for granted. You know, and it's easy to do because you get comfortable and the sex is good and, you know, life goes along and you're busy with your activities. And But we decided to stop all that. And so we invented a few things, uh, one of which is what we call the alphabet game. Right. Yeah. So the alphabet game really is, a, is a very sappy thing we do where we say embarrassingly wonderful things about each other in alphabetical order. <laughs> I love you because you are adorable. Lindetti, I love you because you are babelicious. <laughs> cute. Delightful. Okay, and on and on. And yeah, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Right. Yes, and the other thing that we do daily is some of you may have come to the Valentine's show where I told the story 20 seconds. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a science geek. I like to read uh, about scientific research. And I read that kissing for 20 seconds chemically changes the brains right. of the people kissing. And not like, you know, four or five second kisses or two ten second kisses. We're talking 20 seconds all at once. Yes. That's right. The long, the long play version. That's right. That's right. 
That's right. We're talking real endurance here. That's right. That's right. So we made a point to start kissing every day for 20 seconds. And it changed our lives. So we suggest that you try this. Yes, yes. Something else that we like All to right. do is that we like to touch heads. <laughs> Just like that. It's kind of like the Vulcan mind. You can do you can try this at home. It is. And, you know, when I'm standing there touching heads with Lynn, I just feel so connected and I feel like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, so these are just a few techniques I'm well, sure. Well, there's one more thing. Sometimes when I'm away at work or at the store or whatever, when I come home and Lynn hears the key in the door, she will run out of her office into the kitchen and she'll wag her tail. And of course, you know, then I will wag my tail. We were not going to share this part, okay? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we even rub our tushies together. Oh. through a lot and we really felt like we were able to express our love and gratitude to each other every day and I think that both of us really felt that we were going to be able to walk into the sunset together yes I can do this for 30 or 40 more years I can do this for another yes. 30 years that's right and then Lawrence got cancer right and it was like oh my god this could be over so yeah. you know you're driving down the freeway of love in your pink Cadillac, and one morning you woke up and you got a little itch in your throat, and sorry, you've got cancer. Wow. But you know, Lawrence did not die. I did not. He kicked the cancer. <laughs> I did not want to go on the cot. That's right. That's right. And, and I got better, and, and I've just passed the one-year anniversary, and we had a rockin' party that we called the Hey Cancer Fuck You Party. Yes, and I'm very grateful that Lawrence did not leave me alone here in the world. Because, you know, it's going pretty great so far, and I'm pretty excited about that. But the thing that's happened since this whole episode is I feel like our love has moved into warp speed. We've gone into hyperspace. It's just, I mean, it's just at a place now where I never even imagined it could ever be. Before the cancer, we thought like, wow, this hey, is, this is, this is it just can't get any better than this. But, you know, going through a serious illness like that really makes you focus on what's important what and what's working in your life. And For you too, not just, with each other in the relationship, but how are you living your life every day? Right. So here we are 33 and a third years later, and looking back on that day, 33 and a third years ago when we got married, it's very, very clear to us now that that was only the beginning. 
and that this is the happily ever after. Amen.